don't you love Thanksgiving? Isn't it great? Uh, you know, this, year, this week we've had turkey and ham and all of those good things, and then uh, afterward I was able to have that mayonnaise, turkey, and green olive sandwich. And this week, I only have two words for you. Gumbo. Life is good. Hey, we, we are going through the, the uh, Advent season. And I know Sam had mentioned, but Advent really, if you look up the definition, it's just the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. So it's something that you look forward to. In modern Christian theology, it's, it's the coming of Christ. It's the birth of Christ. And if you look at our Christian calendar, it's the period of preparation from the celebration of the birth of Christ at Christmas. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the uh, German theologian, said the celebration of Advent is possible only to those who are troubled in spirit, who know themselves to be poor and imperfect, and who look forward to something greater to come. Now, he wasn't referring to the fact that we had to be uh, down on ourselves and, and be pitiful, but he, he was trying to help us comprehend that that Advent season is where we look forward to Christ, our Savior. So over the next few weeks, uh, you know, today is hope or the promise, and, and then next week it'll be preparation, joy, and then love. And I want to speak to you today on this hope or promise. I want to talk to you today about the power of promise. The power of promise. Anthony Hitt, which is a businessman here in America, said, keep every promise you make and only make promises you can keep. I think that's, those are good words to live by. Uh, Stephen Richards, he's an author, he said, promises are only as strong as the person who gives them. I would say that would be true then I love my, my, the most famous quoted person in the world, Anonymous. Said, promise is a big word. It makes something or it breaks something. Scripture speaks of promises. Ecclesiastes 5.4 says this about promises. So when you make a promise to God... Don't delay in following through, for God takes no pleasure in fools. Keep all the promises you make to him. I love Ecclesiastes 5.5. 5 says it's better to not make a promise or a vow than to make it and not fulfill it. God is serious about promises we make to him. God is serious is about the promises he makes to us. Say, what is a promise? What is a promise in, in Scripture? A promise in Scripture is a declaration of a benefit that's going to be conferred. So, if the Scripture gives you a promise, 
then it, you have a blessing that's going to be conferred on you. Don't you love that? See, the person declared to has the right to expect and claim the benefit from the one that's declaring. If somebody comes up to you and says, tomorrow about this time, I'm going to give you $100. I promise. Then you have the right to expect that $100 tomorrow. A promise is grounds for hope. That's why we have today expectation and assurance. And God has given us great promises. 2 Peter 1.4 says this. said, whereby we are given to us this very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. It's through the promises of God that you have salvation. It's through the promises of God that you are blessed. It's through the promises of God because when God says it, he means it, and he will always follow through on his promises. God keeps his promises. Aren't you glad that God keeps his promises? Aren't you glad that God doesn't say, you know, you know, I really promised you this, but mm, I'm just kind of, I missed the mark a little bit. God never says anything he doesn't mean, and he doesn't, and he always means what he says. Isaiah 55, 11 said, God keeps his promises. He said, so is my word that goes from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That simply means this. If God has said it, it will come to pass. If God said, come unto me all that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, then it simply means if you come unto him, he will give you rest. Period. Amen. So I'm pretty excited about this because I like the promises of God. I, I to be honest, I'm I'm tired of of hearing things in, in this Christian circles about well, if it's God's will, well, if God wants to do this, and we make God so weak and so pitiful and so anemic, like oh, if God wants to to make up His mind to do this, then He'll do it. The Word of God declares what the mind of God is saying to us. And if the Word of God says He will do it, then He will do it. We just need to realize that if God has given us a promise, He is not going to go back on His Word. He is not going to give up on us. He is not going to forsake us. He puts His name and His Word high above everything else. God will not let one word that comes out of His mouth fall to the Grounds. If God has promised you, then God will keep his promise. God promises. If God has said it, then I believe it. God promised a redeemer. Don't you love that? Here's Adam and Eve in the garden doing what Adam and Eve were doing, taking care of the garden. They partake of the fruit. 
They, they, they sin. They disgrace humanity. The, the very nature of death and sin enter into, into the world. And the Bible says through Adam all sin came to all of us. That's why we're all sinners. But, we, but even in that moment, in that time when God is handing out that punishment, in Genesis 3.15, he looked at the woman and he said, and, and he said there's going to be one that's going to come. And the, and, and the adversary is going to, to bruise his heel, but he is going to crush his head. What he was saying is, even in that time when, when humanity fell, he said, I'm going to bring a redeemer. It's going to be Jesus Christ. And, and he's proclaiming it thousands of years before. And he, he even told them that, that, that the adversary was going to bruise his heel, but he was going to crush Satan's head. He was going to destroy death. He was going to destroy the enemy of humanity. Aren't you glad that God keeps his promises? That, that Redeemer's role is declared even in Isaiah 9, 6. Tells not only that there's going to be a Redeemer, but what he's going to do 750 years before Christ is ever birthed in this world. Isaiah said, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and, his, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Eternal Father, the Prince of Peace. God always keeps his promises. He not only said what Christ, that Christ was going to come. He not only said what Christ was going to do. He even told them, watch this. I'm going to tell you where he's going to be born. Isn't that amazing? He said, I'm, I'm going to tell you where he is going to be born. And I lost my spot. Here it is. He said in Micah 5, 2, But you, Bethlehem, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. He said, Bethlehem, you're small, you're insignificant. You're, you're, you're puny, you're tiny, no one really knows about you, but I have chosen you that the Redeemer is going to be born right there. See, Bethlehem's manger, it, when, when they were building, when whoever built uh, that, that manger, that, that place where the cattle or the sheep could eat from, they had no idea that God had, had planned and prepared that that work of their hands was going to hold the Messiah, the, the Son of God, the Redeemer of humanity. When they were in that little manger, in that little cave, there was no idea among anybody that, that right there, in the lowliest of lowly places, that, that the Redeemer that was predicted and prophesied of for generations was going to be born. And yet there he was, right there in the middle. You know what that tells me? That sometimes we look for the promises of God and we don't see the promises of God because we're so focused on looking for the promises of God the, the way we think they should be. 
See, if I was looking for the Messiah, if I was looking for the Savior, I would, I would think that he would just roll in and, and conquer everything and, and say, this is the way it's going to be. I wouldn't be looking for a king that was born in a manger, that was laid in a place where they fed the cattle. I wouldn't look for somebody that was born in some insignificant place. I wouldn't look for somebody that was raised as a carpenter for the first 30 years of their life. God had a plan see one of the things this is free I don't even know I'm on this but here I go sometimes sometimes we get it so focused in our mind that it has to be a certain way. And God's saying, I, I'm providing the promises. My, my word is, is being fulfilled right before your eyes. You just have to open them up and look and see what the hand of God is doing. Sometimes we want it to be a certain way. We want God to act in a certain way. We want, we want God to do something in a certain way. And we can't see that God is working. He's just working in a different way. And we have to get in our mind and in our heart that God's ways are superior to our ways. I've always, uh, I remember when I, when, when I first gave my life to the Lord, I wrestled with him for a year. I mean, a whole year, an entire year. Every night, the Lord would wake me up in the middle of the night and knock on my heart. He said, why aren't you serving me? And I, and I know it's probably... Just rebellion or stubbornness or stupidity on my part. But I thought I was going to lose my identity. I thought, see, I believe that Christ died. I believe that he died for me. And I believed I needed to surrender my life to him. I wanted to go to heaven. But I didn't want to lose who I was. Anybody else ever go walk through that? And I finally got to the place that hey, you can only be, be waked by the Lord so many nights. You know, when you realize, okay, I, I can't do this anymore. And when I gave my life to the Lord and said, Lord, I'll live this pitiful life that you have lined out for me. I'll lose my identity because I want eternal life. It was then and only then did I discover that the person that he had made me to be was so far superior to the person I thought I was. God's ways are so amazing and majestic that they, that they go beyond our comprehension and understanding. But we only find them when we surrender to his will. God is amazing. God has a plan, and God's plan will be fulfilled. Not only was a, a redeemer promised, not only was his role declared, not only did he tell him where he was going to be, uh, be born, but this whole Christmas narrative that, that we celebrate this season, it's the fulfillment of the promises of the coming redeemer. All of the prophecy in the Old Testament about Christ was fulfilled on that night. All the promises that God had given were completed. See, God's promise didn't look like men thought it was, 
but God's promise was still fully effective. Because God is a God of His Word. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, how many promises has God made? Amen. How, no matter how many promises God has made, the author, Paul is saying, listen, God's made a lot of promises, and it doesn't matter how many you can recall. They are all yes in Christ. What does he mean by that? And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. What he was really saying is simply this. All the promises that God has made through time are completed and fulfilled in Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. You haven't got it yet. I want you to think about it for a moment. Everything that God said that he is going to do is coming through Christ. And, 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 and because Christ was born, all the other promises that are going to be fulfilled are going to be fulfilled through Christ. Christ is the center of, of history. He is the center of humanity's existence. He was prophesied before in the garden, and he is going to be declared King of kings and Lord of lords in eternity. Everything revolves around Christ. All the scripture is fulfilled in Christ. All the Old Testament prophecy that prophesied about the coming Messiah was fulfilled. In the Gospels, Christ, he is the Christ of history. In, in the book of Acts, he is the Christ of experience. And if Christ said it, you can believe it. Matthew 6.33 says this, Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then everything else will be taken care of. Uh, if you have a need, it will be provided for. But the first and foremost thing that Jesus said was, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I don't know what problems that you have today. I don't know what emotional trauma that you're walking through today. I don't know what what mental health you may have. I don't know what physical health you may have. I don't know what financial needs that you may have, but I do know this. If Christ said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, that simply means his way of doing things. If you seek him and pursue him, everything else will be added to you that God is going to work it out. If you have a need, seek Christ and allow Christ to be Lord and Savior of your life, then everything else is going to work out. They, sometimes I worry and, 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 and you know and, and worry is not of God. You, you ever notice that? You know how much worry has helped me solve the problems of tomorrow? Zero. But it does do something. You know what it does? It steals the joy of today. Worry never solves anything. But Christ said, cast your cares upon me and because I care for you. Everything, we are living in that time of, of Christ 
as, as, the, as an experience that when you give your life to Christ that you can have a relationship with him, that he can talk to you and you can talk to him, that we not only have the written word of God, but the, the living word of God is with us, is in us. I want you to think about that for a moment. We have the written word of God. And here's something that's really amazing. When you look at the written word of God and you look at Christ being the living word of God, they're both in scripture called the same thing. John 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And the word was made flesh and dwelled among us. The living word of God is Christ in us. Christ. In the book of Revelation, we see Christ, the Christ of glory, Christ coming, Christ defeating our adversary, Christ crushing uh, sin and death and living victorious throughout eternity. So, so we see that Christ is the center of all things and we have an opportunity today to rejoice in the promises of God. If the scripture declares a promise, then that promise is for you. That promise that said, if you come unto me, I will give you rest. If you confess with your mouth and then you believe in your heart that, that he is Savior, that he will redeem you, that he will save you, that Christ will save you to the uttermost. Who can separate you from the love of God? The scripture, you say, well, there's the scripture, there's, those, those are are, are promises, but I don't know if they're for me. Yes, they are for you. God is no respecter of person. God does not, God does not prefer one person over another person. If the Lord said it, then you can believe it. We just need to learn to stand on those promises in the Word of God. I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm at a point in my life that, that, that I want to look at the scripture and say it's either true or it's not true, that it's either for me or if it's not for me. And, and I want to understand, and I, and I believe today that when the scripture says that if, if he is for us and if God is for us, who can be against us? And, and in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I, I look at that promise and I say, if God is for me, then there's nothing that the adversary can throw against me that can stop me from pursuing Christ. There is nothing in this world. We have the promises of God in our heart. It's the adversary's job to try to tear them down, to belittle them, to make them look weak and anemic, to get you to doubt, to get you to worry, to get you to fear. Oh, maybe God doesn't love me. Maybe God doesn't care for me. I want you to understand that that is a lie from the very pit of hell. God loves you. Christ died for you. Christ rose again. And he said, you are more than conquerors through Christ. 
You can do all things through Christ. Paul said, I've learned to live with a lot, and I've learned to live with a little. I've learned to live with him in good health, and I've learned to live him in poor health. I've learned to live with him when I'm feeling good. I've learned to live with him when I'm not feeling good. But I know this, that I can go do all things through Christ that gives me the strength. My friends, the, the scripture is very clear. We have promises that are made by God, and he will never go back on his word. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. Just because I'm finished, almost. Would you stand with me? We used to sing this song. Years and years ago, when dinosaurs roamed the land. And some of you will probably think, oh, I remember when that was written. Then you knew the dinosaurs. Where it said, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I am trusting in his grace divine. Every promise in the book is mine. We can trust in the promises of God. Sing another song too. It's not as old. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. I don't know whether you're here or you're watching online, but I, I need to ask this question today. What promise of God do you need to stand on? Where is the adversary wrecking your faith? Where is he trying to torment you? Where is he getting you to doubt, to worry? Is it, is it for healing or for blessing or for victory or for salvation. Perhaps you say, well, I am just not good enough. Christ will never forgive me. Boy, that's a lie. Christ died for us and he rose again for us so, so that we could come to him and say, Lord, here I am. Here I am, and I, I have done things that, that I shouldn't have, and, and, and I'm surrendering my life to you. I'm asking for forgiveness. And you know what the Lord's going to do? He's not going to sit over there and say, well, I don't know. Come on. If your mom and dad will do good things for you because they love you, how many people have you ever known that have died for you? then rose again conquering your number one death which is death your number one enemy rather which is death Christ is our living hope Christ is the fulfillment of the, of the promises of God everything in Christ is yes and amen everything is, is yes they're all fulfilled everything is fulfilled in Christ those things that have happened those things that are happening now and those things that are going to happen are all meshed and wound up in that one man that one God incarnate Jesus Christ I want to encourage you 
that God keeps his word. It's not for other people. Say, well, maybe it's for that person over here, but maybe not for me. No, it's for all. But sometimes you just have to stand on the word of God and say, this is the promises of God, and I'm standing on it. So I don't know, I don't know what promise that you need to stand on, whether it's for blessing or for for healing or for endurance or or maybe you're, you're calling out for your family. I don't know what it is, but I do know this, that the promises that God has made will never falter, they'll never shake. It is a sure foundation. And if you stand on those promises, you will see victory. You say, how do you know that? How do you know I can have victory? It's in the Word of God. It's the Word of God. He said His Word never fails. I don't know what you need today, but I do know this, that God is not only able, but He's willing to fulfill any need that you may have. I'm going to ask our elders to come. Uh, I'd like to have a couple over here, maybe one, maybe one here and one here. And as, Tom, would you come to this side? As the, the praise team sings, I wonder if there's somebody here that has a need and says, I, I want to bring it before the Lord. These men are here to pray with you. These men are here to believe with you that not only will God bring victory, but he will bring it to you. Would you pray with me?